Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Root of BTN.com. And it's a very special week. It's Big Ten Tournament Week. And to get you ready for all those festivities, we have sort of a special edition episode here today in the Take 10 Podcast. Definitely aligns with the Big Ten Tournament. And although there's not a whole lot of uh, current Big Ten hoops talk, we do get you set for the tournament with some historical Big Ten hoops talk. And we uh, discuss a new book that's coming out that is being promoted alongside the Big Ten Tournament this week. So if you were uh, at the games, we'll talk about how you can connect with this book that we're about to discuss here on the show. And the book is written by Ed Sherman. He was a, he's a longtime Chicago sports media figure, a longtime writer for the Chicago Tribune, and he is writing a official history of the Big Ten book. The book is called This is Big, How the Big Ten Set the Standard in College Sports. And there is a promo for the book, a piece running in the Big Ten Tournament official program that kind of details the history of Big Ten basketball. Ed wrote it. Ed wrote the book. And it's kind of a precursor to the uh, official release of the book this upcoming fall. So Ed gets into where to find the uh, the book, how to pre-order it if you want. And we talk plenty of um, Big Ten hoops history as we lead into the upcoming Big Ten tournament this week um, here in Chicago. So cool episode coming up um we do have uh, another segment after ed ed's uh, interview colleen degnan our producer is back with a, another call for the culture segment where we talk sports and pop culture we also talk a, a good amount of chicago local um tourist reviews recommendations and things to do if you're coming into town or um attending the big 10 tournament this week so really fun pair of discussions coming up here We've got uh, Ed up first, like I said, followed by Colleen, and both uh, go about a half hour. So next hour or so, lock it in, and it should be a good time. All right, start with Ed Sherman. Uh, as I said in the intro, longtime Chicago sports media figure, longtime writer, and he's an author of an upcoming book as well, and Ed will tell us all about it in just a moment. That interview starts right now. Very pleased to be joined by Ed Sherman. He's a longtime fixture in the Chicago sports media landscape, a longtime sports writer for the Chicago Tribune. He does radio, he's an author, and you can follow him on Twitter at Sherman underscore report. Mr. Sherman, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So in that intro, did I leave any gigs out, first of all? Because you know, you've got a full plate when it comes to the uh, sports media obligations, so let me know. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty much doing sports media. You know, I'm pretty much so... Um you know, pretty much concentrating on this book that I'm doing on the Big Ten. That's kind of taken up most of, um, pretty much all of my time these days. Yeah, I did include author in that intro. And like you said, you've been working on a book uh, that will serve as the official history of the Big Ten, uh, titled This is Big, How the Big Ten Set the Standard in College Sports. So can you elaborate on the impetus for this book and, and when it comes out and everything Big Ten fans need to know about it? Yeah, so, you know, it's going to come out, um, uh, it's going to be in a, First of all, it's, it's going to be an official history book of the Big Ten. I'm working with the conference and kind of trying to, you know, trying to um, document uh, 120 plus years of history dating back to 1895 of, of the Big Ten. And um, through stories and, and a lot of pictures, it's going to be a coffee table style book. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. There's a lot of great stories, a lot of great behind the scenes type stories, um, a lot of history. Even I thought I knew a lot about the Big Ten having been around it for 40 years, and there's, I'm just stunned every day that there's stuff, there's other things that I am learning for the first time. Um, and so, um, you know, to coincide with the Big Ten uh, basketball tournament, we're going to do a pre-sale, so if people want to get their orders in early for a special discounted price, uh, they can go to BigTenBook.com and get more information about the book, and then if they want, they can do a pre-sale order, and uh, you'll be able to get your copy. We're hoping it's planned to come out next fall. Awesome, yeah, and you mentioned uh, coinciding with the Big Ten Tournament, which is back in Chicago after a three-year absence. Um, fans will be able to get a taste kind of what your book will kind of entail because you wrote a piece in the official program for that uh, tournament coming up here in Chicago, and it includes a bunch of examples of how the conference was innovative and, and groundbreaking. It's a list kind of a Big Ten first and, and how they led the way. So how did this piece come about, and how closely does this Big Ten first um, writing resemble the content that'll be in in your book. 
Well, I think it uh, it came about because uh, Jason Yellen uh, of the Big Ten office kind of was thought, hey, this would be a great idea to, to promote um, the book, let people know that the book's coming out, the Big Ten fans who are going to be at the tournament, that the book is going to be coming out in the fall. And, um, you know, and I was kind of, he asked me to write a piece, and I was thinking about it, and I kind of started thinking about all these firsts that the Big Ten has either been a part of or, or interesting things that have kind of happened in the conference at the first time. Um, that these happened and um so that was kind of just like a natural angle to do it and um i would say there's it is pretty it's going to be kind of similar uh to some of the things that are in the book i do i'm going to have timeline uh, you know a pretty comprehensive timeline of the of the big 10 and you're talking again about 120 years and um and also looking at iconic athletes such as you know, from the basketball perspective, Magic Johnson and Jerry Lucas, um, you know, two of the great college basketball players of all time, period. And, you know, and it was, and Rick Mount, it was kind of hard to make the cut and who you're going to include in that section. Um, so many great athletes, so many great players. So, yeah, I mean, it was, kinda, it was um, the format. I mean, it's going to be similar. It's going to be, it, you know, the story is going to be an example of the kind of information that you're going to be able to get in the book. Yeah, and I actually got to look at that piece that you uh, included in the program. And one thing I didn't know that you included right off the top is that the first five-on-five college basketball game of all time took place between Iowa and the University of Chicago, and that was all the way back in the 1890s. Like, I knew that uh, the history behind Rutgers and college football taking place all the way back 150 years ago, but I did not know that about the uh, first college basketball five-on-five game taking place. So how did you discover that, and and what were some of the details of that game? Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I don't know that I discovered that. I mean, that's kind of out there, but there's something, again, that I didn't know, and, and, and you research, and you see, you know, hey, wow, this is interesting. January 18th, 1896, a crowd of 400 people saw you know, Iowa host the University of Chicago. University of Chicago was coached by Amos Alonzo Stagg, who was the legendary football coach, but back then they did everything. Yeah. And actually, he was the Iowa coach was H.F. Kallenberg, and they were graduate students together at, at Springfield, Massachusetts College, where James Naismith invented the game. And there was a t- you know at the time there was it was the early versions had as many as nine players aside, and and Kallenberg felt that they begged for very congested kind of unattractive basketball and. Uh, and uh, Kallenberg, you know, came up with this five-by-five, which, you know, make it more fun, spread out the court, and um, Stagg agreed. Before the game, they they explained the new rules to the fans, and um, and that was the first college game, and five-on-five uh, game. The Chicago team won by in a very exciting, tight 13-12 to victory. <laughs> made, Bruins made 10 free throws and three field goals, with each counting as one point. And um, it, I thought it was kind of interesting. A couple things kind of interesting. Regardless of who was fouled, uh, I mean, regardless of who was fouled, the shot could be taken by someone who was a better shooter. The fans, you know, didn't matter home court advantage. They, they went crazy after each successful shot. I mean, it's my favorite thing. I found this um, after the game. There was another long-standing tradition beginning. Critics of officials. One local paper wrote, "Strict officiating was a source of intense dissatisfaction to the audience." So it began even back in 1896 and continues to today, complaining about the officials. So you're saying all these tweets that I see, you know, coming every day to the Big Ten Network account, complaining about the officials, as if we control the officials, isn't a new phenomenon. <laughs> right. It goes all the way back to 1896. Well, also. And I thought that was that was just really funny to me because they had no idea what they were watching and they still were complaining about the officials. <laughs> That's hilarious. And one thing that you just mentioned that I thought was was also pretty funny was, yeah, the score was thirteen to twelve, but they were kind of ahead of their time because now if you go to any playground and play, you know, pick up basketball, we count by ones and twos. So that was right. you know the first the first uh, games were counted by ones. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, that, that's for sure. So that was kind of where it all started, and uh, it went from there, you know. Yeah, so kind of picking up on the early, early days of Big Ten basketball, the first in-conference game wasn't until about 10 years later. But what were you able to, to learn about what Big Ten basketball was like back in, you know, really the, the Stone Age of the sport? What, what were the uh, – you kind of touched on the fans, the officials, but how did it gain popularity? Well, I think it – you know, I think it becomes you – know, I think – I think the styles evolved. I write in the piece that there's a coach at Wisconsin, Walter Doc Meanwell, who was uh, 
took over in 1911, and prior to him taking over, players had been kind of mostly stationary on the court, and the passes were these long, you know, looping passes, and uh, meanwhile taught this Wisconsin system, and it was based on short passes and open shots, and players were weaving and using pivots and screens, and so they kind of revolutionized the game, and, and not surprisingly, his team went... 41 to 44 and one during his first three years on the job and and uh, that approach kind of revolutionized the game and he helped also lead the Badgers to nine conference titles through 1929 so he's one of the early innovators you know like anything else the game evolves and um, and the game starts attracting popularity you know, again uh, there weren't many sports around at the time it's uh, you know basketball very became popular in part because it's winter people you know in the Midwest they don't have much to do you go see a basketball game and inside and, and you could be entertained and I think that was a large part of the popularity <laughs> and these areas soon became hotbeds for for college basketball well that's great that Wisconsin even back you know going on 100 years now has always been a system school that's pretty good <laughs> right. to this day it keeps up um and another one of the, the first that jumped out to me while reading uh the program was Rick Mount I, I always knew he was a great scorer you, you brought him up earlier uh he scored 61 points in a game in 1970 Averaged 35 points a game his senior year. This is, you know, at least a decade before the three-point shot even existed. How does that happen in in an era where there is no three-point shot? How did did he take a a huge volume of shots, or how how did he he score like that? I mean, he's considered kind of the the rocket they called him. He's considered the 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 greatest shooter maybe in college basketball history. I mean, he was just he was a gunner. He shot 61. He went. He scored 61 points against Iowa. And um, sports writer Purdue sports writer Mark Monteith went back and found the shot sheet for that game, and he counted 13 shots that would have been three pointers in the modern game, meaning he would have scored 74 points. 74 wow. points in a college basketball game in a Big Ten game. I mean, it's just crazy when you think about it. And um, and he was upset because they lost. They lost 108 to 107, and he just kept saying we lost. It didn't matter to him. But that was the kind of player he was. I mean, you're talking about a guy who averaged over 30 points a game throughout his whole three-year career since freshmen weren't eligible. You know, took the, uh, Purdue to the finals in 1968. I want to say 1969. They lost to UCLA. Kind of were a victim of that UCLA run, but they they beat a North Carolina team that included. Um, future Big Ten commissioner Jim Delaney and there's actually in the book you'll see a cover shot of Rick Mount and the sporting news being covered by Jim Delaney so that's kind of one of my favorite little items that we have in the book so Rick Mount was just a great player and uh, and uh, you know he's one of these guys that um, you know really has stood the test of history as kind of when you think about you know when 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 people talk about great shooters in Big Ten history, uh, you know his name's got to be number one on the list on most lists. I can't imagine. You know, I'm trying to think who else would be up there, but he was he was a gunner. He 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 can get the ball in the basket. Yeah, making that drive from Chicago to India, I always notice now that the Rick Mount Highway sign. So certainly an icon uh, to this day. And you mentioned some of the other icons, even in that that Big Ten first list that you wrote: uh, Magic Johnson, Jerry Lucas. Do you have any particular favorites uh, when it comes to icons either in basketball or football um, throughout history well my favorite icon probably is um, is Niall Kinnick the um, the, the Iowa the story of the Iowa host the, the guy who won the Heisman Trophy and some a lot of people know the story a lot of people though don't you know, he was an exceptional student athlete with an emphasis on both um, played for Iowa in the late 30s, 1939, and um, kind of came out of nowhere to, to really lead Iowa. Iowa had been a really um, um, down team for a while, and they came, and he just had an exceptional year both ways back then, again, um, and he led Iowa. I think they only lost one game that year, and he got this national attention and um, wins the Heisman Trophy, and... Um, but he was also an exceptional. He was, his, I think, his, his grandfather was the governor of Iowa. He was, um, he was a Phi uh, Beta Kappa. He goes to, he wins the Heisman Trophy, and he goes to New York. And uh, this is right after World War II had broken out in 1939, and gives this speech about saying how fortunate he is to be battling on the gridiron and not on the, on the, on the battlefields of Europe. And that really kind of stirred a lot of. You know, quite a lot of people uh, impressed a lot of people that he 
have the presence of mind to say that in a nationally uh, broadcast radio speech from him accepting the Heisman Trophy. And um, and he was one of these guys that, you know, he didn't want to, did not want to play professional football. He wanted to go to law school. And uh, he seemed one of these guys who seemed destined to be some sort of a national political figure. And, you know, hard to say if someone would be president of the United States. Be, you know, there's a lot. But I think that... Um, you know, uh, I think a lot of people thought he had that kind of makeup. Um, you know, he was, he was a very profound guy, and unfortunately, he enlists in the um, Navy, I believe it was, and he's um, and during the war, and he's doing a training mission in the uh, uh, flight and plane during a training mission, and uh, right off the shore of Venezuela in 1943, and there's an issue with the plane, and um, and he there was some talk that he could have landed the plane on the deck of a carrier, but that if he would have, he might have taken out you know, a lot of other planes in doing so. So he crashed short of the carrier, and, and they never recovered his body. And so it's just a tragic, tragic loss. Um, and um, But it also kind of serves, I think he now serves as the symbol and this inspiration for student athletes. Obviously, the stadium is named after him, Kinnick Stadium. One thing I did not know, and maybe my favorite fact, I don't know if you know this, Alex, but um, for every Big Ten game since, I believe, uh, 1962, there is a coin, and it's the Niall Kinnick coin. It's that they, When they flip the coin at a Big Ten game, football game, they're flipping a coin with his image on it. So really just a, a great <laughs> – I did not know that, and to me that was one maybe the favorite thing that I had learned – considering how many Big Ten games I've been to and, and covered through the years that I didn't know that every game begins with a coin flip of now Kinnick, and he's really an appropriate guy to have that honor. Yeah, that is really cool. And uh, I was just in Iowa City and stayed at the Graduate Hotel. I don't know if you've been to these Graduate Hotels, but they, they do them up with all the memorabilia of um, you know the school and the campus that it's located. And Niall Kinnick's image was everywhere in this hotel, and they, they did yeah. it in a pretty cool way. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the the coin anecdote because I'm sure there are plenty of things that you stumbled upon while researching this book and just throughout your career that you, that you might not have known. Is there anything else that you discovered in your research that uh, that you didn't know before that, that jumps out? Oh, I just think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different things when you're talking about um, you know, Fielding Yost and those great Michigan teams. Again, I knew about them, but, you know, when you're talking about in the early 1900s and kind of the dominance they had you know, when they would go through a whole season outscoring opponents 555 to 3, I mean, those, you know, those kind of things stick out. You know, a chance to learn more about Doc Consulman, the great swimming coach at Indiana, who I knew was a great swimming coach. I didn't know that he pretty much revolutionized uh, swimming with his uh, t- techniques, I mean, in, in, in his street, uh, the way, um, way, just, I mean, it's hard to, when you think about it, the guy really revolutionized modern swimming by introducing different training techniques, different um, ways of uh, uh, doing strokes, and so he was uh, an interesting guy. I loved learning more about Dan Gable. Again, I knew a lot about, you know, the great wrestling coach at Iowa and kind of his, you know, you know the, just the ridiculous string of national championships that he won as wrestling coach at Iowa. And, you know, so I knew, you know, there were things that I knew about. You know, I knew of Dan Gable, of course. I knew of Doc Consul, but I didn't know the detail that, I, you know, that you go and learn what made these guys great. I mean, one of the interesting things when it comes, to, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the nineteen, at the end of the nineteen nineties, ESPN did the Sports Century series, ranking the top fifty athletes of the twentieth century, and five Big Ten athletes were in the top thirty-three. I mean, that's that's an incredible number. I mean, I don't think any other conference has anything close to that. You're talking. I always remember Jack Nicholas. Talking Jesse Owens, Jack Nicholas, Red Grange, Mark Smits, and Magic Johnson. Five in the top 33 came from the Big Ten. So pretty, and that's pretty, those are five pretty good names right there, you know. And those are Big Ten, you know. And you know, you mentioned Mark Spitz. I mean, his story was pretty interesting because he came to Indiana as a much heralded swimmer, but he was needed to kind of quote unquote grow up and mature, and 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 that happened to him in Indiana, and he went on to win seven gold medals. And so a lot of that kind of stuff is in the book, and. Um, Along with um, other things that you know people will see, um, uh, you know, hopefully will enjoy, and and um, 
and we're also going to do a lot of pictures. We have got a lot of great photography, thanks to the schools and the conference, and we're going to also try to tell the story of the Big Ten experience, what it's like through this great photography. As I said, it's going to be a coffee table style book, a lot of text, a lot of photos, and so, you know, it's 120 plus years of the conference, and um, a lot to include. Jim Delaney's writing the forward for the book, and... Um, and they've been great. They've been totally behind this project, and I couldn't have asked for anything more. So it's kind of getting exciting because we're kind of put, getting in the process of putting everything together now for it to, to be out for everyone in the fall. Yeah, and I think that's the cool thing is that, you know, even if you're a Big Ten expert and you think you know uh, a ton about the league, and even if you do, there's going to be things that, you know, deeper details that you might not have realized before. And, you know, even you as the author uh, experience that in your research. So definitely, even if you're an expert of the, the conference, something that uh, will, will be definitely interesting to check out. Um, Ed, I'm curious, what are your first Big Ten memories, kind of sticking with the theme of first? Because I feel like every follower yeah, of the conference has that, you know. I think I got a few years on you, but I go back. I would <laughs> say probably my first really initial memories was that Ohio State-Michigan game in 1969, the famous game where, you know, Bo Schembechler upset Woody Hayes for the first, you know, in that first meeting, and uh, maybe arguably, I don't know if it's the greatest upset in Big Ten history, but it's right up there uh, considering how strong that Michigan team was, that Ohio State team was. And I write about that in the book. That's kind of one of my pivotal, I have uh, pivotal moments in the book I call Big Impact, and that. And I write about how, in the book, how that kind of set the tone for the, not only the 10-year war that followed, but also the identity of the Big Ten and how it became the conference of Woody and Bo and uh, and the conference of, you know, that, that these guys had such strong personalities. And that and you think about it, these guys have been gone for, you know, I haven't coached in almost 30 years and have been gone for a while, too. Um, I died, you know, a few years back, and yet, you know, when people kind of talk about the... When you think about the Big Ten, you ask them about the Big Ten, one of the first things they say they talk about is Woody and Bo, the conference of Woody and Bo. Even in an age when, you know, there's more wide offense, more, more wide open offenses and high scoring and, you know, um, it's still the conference of Woody and Bo. So that was my one of my first memories. Then I went to University of Illinois. I would say from that perspective, um, my favorite memory was a game in 1979 when Illinois was 14-0 and they and Magic Johnson and Michigan State came into Assembly Hall and um, and Eddie Johnson, who later became a good friend of mine, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, became a good friend of mine. He had a last-second shot to to to, uh, to lead Illinois to a 57-55 victory. And I remember we were on winter break, so I wasn't at that game, but I remember going crazy in the house. I still remember how excited that was. And, uh, and so that was a big, vivid memory for me. And um, and so those two things stand out. Yeah, I think that was really close, if not on the 40-year anniversary, uh, or the 40-year anniversary this year was, was really close to that date when Illinois beat Michigan State again this year. So that was an interesting kind of co- yeah. coincidence. Yeah. Uh, Ed, obviously the Big Ten's not afraid to be first and and take some risks in that process. So alluding to a more recent example, um, the reason I'm sitting here talking to you right now is uh, the innovation of BTN, the first conference network in college sports. And, and when it came out, there were a lot of skeptics. So you're a sports media expert. What did you think when you first heard the conference was pursuing and launching its own sports network uh, going on 12 years ago now? Well, you know, I saw, um, and I write about this really comprehensively in the book. There's a really long section in the book about that, um, talking to Jim Delaney, talking to Mark Silverman, the first BTN president, and also talking to um, um, Dave Revson does a first-person piece. And um, so I talk about that. You know, my immediate real recollection was that uh, if anyone, I was obviously skeptical, like most people. I thought if anyone could do it, though, the Big Ten could do it. I, you know, my more my more immediate recollection was that they were involved in trying to get distribution, and Comcast, the large cable provider, was a big holdout. They did not want to put it on the Big Ten Network on a basic tier. They wanted to put it on a sports tier for a service, which would have pretty much relegated the BTN to oblivion. And um, and the Big Ten held out. And I remember, you know, kind of writing and and saying, you know getting on Comcast saying you know, that that um, that people are going to want this, that, you know, that it was going to be on it, that you should put it on a basic, uh, 
it's just a matter of time why you why you holding out because I think people are going to want this and um, it should be on basic and so and sure enough it was on basic within a year and, and the rest is kind of history it's been wildly successful both uh, uh, from a aesthetic standpoint and an exposure standpoint from the Big Ten and, and also from an economic standpoint I mean it brings in you know the combination of exposure and and revenue is unmatched and um, college sports so it's been a tremendous success and for the sake of my career i hope it stays that way um (laughs) and kind of close the loop before i let you go i want to circle back and talk about the big 10 basketball tournament because it's interesting um with the big 10 being first in so many things the conference postseason play uh is not one of them and there are two you know big sports football and basketball the big 10's first basketball tournament was in 98 Uh, i believe the first championship game in football is 2011 so why was the big 10 uh, one of the later adopters of, of in-conference postseason play? Well, I think it goes back to the... Um, so the Big Ten has also has been innovative and been first in a lot of things, but that also goes back to uh, it's a pretty tradition-based conference. And uh, I think there was a lot of resistance to the idea of... Um, uh, of having a postseason basketball tournament determine the champion when we played 18 games back then. Now it's 20 games this year for basketball. You know, that the regular season should be determining the champion, should be the one who gets the, the, the top seed, um, you know, gets to hold the trophy at the end of the year. And um, so I think there was a lot of tradition involved. You know, I think there was also this idea of, of um you know, we don't want to keep having these students, athletes play more games. Um, you know, so there was, you know, I think there was that resistance and the Big Ten, it was probably slower to move in both than, than the other ones, but I think it just became really obvious that hey, everyone else is doing this and and we should do it too and take advantage of these uh, this opportunity to kind of showcase the conference, to give these student athletes, the players, uh, an experience that, um, that they'll remember for a long time. I and mean, we're going to have people in the United Center playing on the same court thing, you know, regardless if they, you know, very few of these guys are going to the NBA, but they will be able to say they play in the same court as Michael Jordan next week, you know, at the, at the Big Ten tournament. So, um, so it's exciting. And, um, and it's something that's become, uh, you know, very much a part of the fabric of, of the Big Ten. For sure. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Can't wait for the games to get underway. And once again, if you're going to the Big Ten tournament, keep an eye out for Ed's Big Ten first piece in the official program, and then uh, on top of that, head to BigTenBook.com to pre-order This is Big, How the Big Ten Set the Standard in College Sports. Uh, Ed, I really appreciate your time, and uh, if there's anything else you'd like to share, uh, go for it. No, we're good. I'm just hoping, you know, we have a great tournament, and hopefully people will take a, just check out the website, and, um, you know, as again, I, just, I think this is going to be a, a unique book. There hasn't... Um, been this kind of a book on the Big Ten, and, and you're talking about a lot of history that affects a, a lot of, a lot of teams, a lot of your favorite athletes, a lot of your favorite, you know, regardless of what school you went to, there's gonna be something for everyone in this book. So, um, hope people take check it out. All right, well, once again, I appreciate the sneak preview, and uh, we will be looking forward to the release of the book. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. All right, thanks so much to Ed for joining me. Really appreciate him sharing some time and sharing his knowledge about Big Ten history and letting us know about when his official history of the Big Ten book is coming out and all the the details that go along with that. So thank you, Ed. Now we'll kick it over to Colleen Degnan for our Call for the Culture segment. Uh, If you haven't heard this show before, um, at least in in recent weeks, Colleen is a regular. She comes on and talks sports and pop culture and kind of the intersection of entertainment and sports and just general banter that gets tossed back and forth. It's, it's always a good time, um, especially you know if you're looking to take a discussion and take your listening habits outside of just straight Big Ten sports. Definitely stay tuned for our discussion coming up here in just a second. Talk a lot of uh, Chicago area things to do with the Big Ten tournament coming up in town all week. Coming in town, you'll probably have time to check out the city, so get into that, get into some other uh, pop culture talk as well, some current events, and I'll stop introing it and get right to it so you can hear it. It's our Call for the Culture segment with Colleen Degnan. It starts right now. All right, we're back with another Call for the Culture. Alex Rue here with Colleen Degnan. Colleen, how you doing? It's uh, 
Friday. It's the end of the week. We got an exciting week coming up. So how are you feeling? Hello, welcome. Uh, well, I guess I'm getting welcomed on the show. Yeah, welcome you in. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm excited. We got a good week out of us. And I'm crossing my fingers because last episode we had some chatter in the background. We're in our studio here, but apparently uh, the soundproof is not soundproof enough because for listeners last week, you know, we had our, our lovely colleagues in the next room uh, chatting it up and, and unknowingly providing some white noise in our, our background. So fingers crossed this time that there's there's no disruption. It's just the live energy of the office, you yeah, know? Yeah, we can spin it into a positive that way. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, it's a special day today, right? Um, Colleen, I'm going to let you tell me more about it because I actually didn't know. Shows uh, shows how tuned in I am with, with the, the, you know, daily national calendar. I've been kind of in a zone where I've just been – going to sleep and waking up and grinding through these last few weeks of basketball season. So what's going on? Well, today we're today's Friday, which we're recording on, but you guys will all hear this Monday. So hopefully you'll have three days to celebrate that it was International Women's Day. And that was that's Friday, today? Friday? Friday the 8th. Okay. So, Happy International Women's Day. Thank you. And it's a Women's Month, but today is the official day to kick it off. And something so cool that I saw, Steph Curry, a few months ago, a young fan of his, Riley wrote to him. That's his daughter's name too. Interesting. Interesting. Another Riley. Okay. But this darling nine-year-old wrote to him complaining that she couldn't find his signature shoes in her girl's size. I saw that. And so he was completely captivated by her. And now she got to help design a female shoe that released today, the 8th, in honor of International Women's Day. I saw that. Pretty cool. And actually, although I didn't have the circle on my calendar for today, I do remember a year ago... I was in Madrid, Spain at the time. Not to brag, but I was there. And, <laughs> World um, class and so I, I, Alex Rue. So I get, I get into to Madrid, and the trains are packed, like from the airport. Like, more packed than anything rush hour in Chicago going home on my commute. Um, and I was like, what is going on? I could barely get my suitcase in. I was getting claustrophobic. And it turned out it was like the International Women's March in Madrid. And we just happened to be staying in the center of the city where the the big like march was going on so i was uh welcome to, to spain um for this uh, worldwide holiday so shout out to international women's day i guess that was a year ago today thanks for bringing that to my attention yeah so definitely wanted to everyone go check out the shoes they're a really cool purple color and i'm pretty sure she and her family are getting um hosted by steph curry at the warriors game oh, nice. friday night so i'm sure she'll be sporting the new kicks yeah and shoes are so tied into nba culture and basketball culture in general um so it's cool that you know a, a young lady got to design them and we see it not just at the nba level but at the college level as well and it ties into um nicely with with one of your favorite players i know uh, badger Ethan Happ. Saying farewell to Ethan Happ last night. He recently played his last game, and it ties in with him because he is known to give his giant, I assume, like size 15, 16 shoes. Literally double my foot. Away to kids uh, after pretty much every game, I think. I think so, too. Yeah. And I don't know if you had any farewell words for Ethan Happ. I know he's got some basketball left to play, but his last game at Cole Center was uh, Thursday night, and you guys got to send him off with a win. It was great. Him and Iverson both had a really good game as um, two of our seniors. So it, hopefully it's going to lead them to end up with the fourth seed in the tournament. But we'll see. Yeah, I know you want to get that Friday uh, double by locked up. We'll know by Monday when people listen to this. But they got one more game um, to try and clinch that Friday game. I think they're in good shape. So I think they'll be. I just hope we control our own destiny. But it's just also so crazy all of the senior nights happening. Like. First of all, they started, I feel like, a few weeks back. Well, first of all, I liked <laughs> I liked Ethan Happ blowing kisses to his home crowd because we talked about earlier this year when he <laughs> blew kisses to the barn at Minnesota. And so now he kind of flipped it, and, and it was now a, term, uh, a gesture of endearment as opposed to uh, taunting the, the, yes, the barn crowd. class so act guy. He just likes blowing kisses, I guess. Well, I love, he loves the love. He's basically the, the human blowing kisses emoji. So. <laughs> but I like, in all seriousness, I like Ethan Happ. He's a cool dude. Um, we've talked about it before, but interacting with him, he's like one of the most down-to-earth and relatable personalities. Like, he was easily able to slip into just a normal college kid kind of mode. And I like that, you know, um, out of a true ambassador for, for the conference. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the, the senior nights have been going for what seems like a while now. It, it's true that um, they have. And I know firsthand because... We've been amplifying these senior night celebrations on Lots social media of, yeah. channels. Yeah, so 
been streaming them live um, on social media as often as possible, and uh, been going out on Twitter. Facebook and YouTube. Have you got a chance to watch any of them? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, first of all, they've started like three weeks back and carried through. So like, I don't know why there's been all of this. Just the scheduling, how it goes. Like I was, was uh, a while ago and, and it happens when it seems like a lot of teams play a lot of home games early on. And you're like, man, it seems like this team is always at home. And then it catches up with them yeah. at the end of the year <laughs> when they all of a sudden away. don't have a home game for the last two weeks of the year and their senior night's happening in February. It's kind of cool, though. I feel like the discussion of what they do for each senior night is up to each university and each team. Well, let me tell you, it definitely varies because I've now seen a bunch of these up close. And first of all, did you watch Wisconsin's last night? Yes, at all? I okay. did. Thanks for tuning in. Um, and yeah, I've seen a bunch of these up close. And I was, this is the first year that I've actually noticed how much it varies, like you said, between the schools because some schools will kind of do the full gamut of things like they'll have a video of all their highlights a montage and they'll have the sad music playing like Iowa had the sad uh what's the the Zales commercial music that's a little too cliche what's that song for me again? thousand miles yeah exactly <laughs> so they have that like we drop her a lot mm-hmm. this, yeah this it's like the second time at least so <laughs> some schools will coming. do it up um, some do it before and after. Yeah. Like, it depends. Some do it before and after. And in halftime, too. Yeah, Minnesota, like... Minnesota did. I don't know if we've seen the halftime ones yet, but Minnesota did before and after, and it worked out really well because they stormed the court, and everyone was out in the court when their seniors were giving their speeches. Um, and some schools, like, will do... Like, Wisconsin last night was, like, a three-minute thing. They, they basically uh, had the players come out with their little jerseys in, in the frames and hold them up, and that was it. And then uh, Indiana is one that will make it a big production. They always do it afterwards, infamously. I guess, I don't know. That infamous is kind of a negative <laughs> connotation, but they'll always do it after. I guess it, it is negative sometimes when they lose yeah. and then people don't stay. So that's always a gamble. It's a big, I don't know if I would like it afterwards. It's, well, it's a big payout because, like, if you have a big win, like the Minnesota one. True. That's why I kind of like the before and after, you know? The both? Yeah. But Indiana's goes on for a long time because the seniors make long speeches. Purdue did it the same way. Um, but I don't, I don't know. What would you prefer? We've all we've been seniors in college, so True. we did not get senior. Can I go back off. to senior high school Send night? Off. Does that count? Can we go back that far? I guess we. we you were an athlete. I, I was definitely an athlete. What did you play? Um, I was volleyball and cross country my senior year. Did you have senior days? Yes. I was the only senior on the volleyball team my senior year, so it was pretty oh, wow. much Colleen night. <laughs> My only sport I played senior year was basketball, and we were, like, all seniors. I think we were oh, like, 10. See, that's a lot of sharing. 10 of spotlight. us were seniors. Yeah, there was not much spotlight to to go around. I um, like the quick, uh, in general, regardless what sport or what you're doing, I think I'd want it before, more hype, get the crowd going, get the team going, okay. because then you're just kind of motivated. If it's too sad, then you're going to just be totally deflated. Where do you fall on speeches? How long or No, would you want to give a speech? If not before. I want that separate. But do you want one at all? Yeah, but, like, give me a nice dinner. A nice, like, cocktail party. For, like, for as an athlete still? Yes. Okay, well, there's, like a ba- <laughs> there's a banquet. Like, they still have banquets. Right, I know, but that can still be something, its own separate entity. Like, maybe the night before your senior night. Okay. You have, like, a nice little get-together with the squad. Okay. But like, going it. into the game, uh, the crowd doesn't want to see everybody crying. Like, that's just like, a lot of emotion. I don't want to see the vignette. Like I, I will say for us uh, social content sharers, we love the speeches because usually there's some sort of goofy moment or right a any joke funny moment that's or, fun or if the tears you know we love tears but not before the game you know like if it bleeds it leads <laughs> if it cries it flies like that's I just made that up but that, <laughs> that is, that's it, catchy that honestly is true for us like big crier and then, big fly and then once in a blue moon you'll get the ultra like popular and and viral moment like a couple years ago we mentioned Indiana's post game one where a guy like Colin Hartman, who was on Indiana a few years ago, proposed to his girlfriend <gasps> during the senior day ceremony. See, that's just not, that's unfair. And, and, like, her friends were crying, and, like, the families were all out there, and the players were all out there. And it's, I think, to, to this day, our most viewed YouTube video. Did they lose? I think they won. See, Pretty sure. as a coach, what I don't think I would let that happen. I mean... That's just I'm like, going to tell somebody no, they can't propose? Yes. I w- if I was the coach of the team, I'd say that's right, not good, allowed. Good luck with that. But anyway, it's it's like to this day one of our most viral moments. So as kind of repetitive as senior day can get, um, 
there are it probably is like the most potential out of anything that is not related to the actual game itself I totally agree and so. as a watcher yeah give me all the emotion let me cry as a player absolutely not but make it short quick for everyone that's like viral or super emotional or one that just comes together perfectly there's five or six that just fly by in an instant there's like half full crowd and, yeah. and it just doesn't you know you feel kind of bad for the people that that don't get the recognition uh, or the moment. But, you know, it's not everyone can uh, – I guess not every college player gets gets equal experience and not every college is equally. So. That's totally, totally true. Yeah, fair, point, fair point, fair point. Interesting. Congrats to all the seniors. Yeah, shout out to the seniors. And um, they'll obviously have plenty of, uh, you know, time left to make their mark here in the in the Big Ten tournament coming up. Every team has a shot, as we said yes. uh, this year. I like that, that branding this year. We talked about it, but it, it's smart because um, – you know, it kind of lights that little flame in uh, every sports fan that, you know. I love it. That it's not like college football where if you lose, you know, first couple weeks, then you're out of the running. Right. You, you still have a chance to run the table. Oh, it's so emotional. Create the, create My the heart rate is already rising. Also, um, I'm already, if you can't tell, I'm looking a little tired right now. <laughs> um, so I'm already dreading this weekend and the setting the clocks back. No, we spring forward. them forward. Spring forward. It's daylight spring saving. Forward. Daylight saving. Okay. I'm dreading it. It's one of the worst. Really? It's one of the worst nights of the year. Absolutely disagree. We're about to get more sunlight for longer in the day. Okay, first of all, that's true. It's great. Like, the payoff is great, but it's dark in the morning. Super dark. You, you wake don't up wake at, up. You don't wake up before uh, 10 any day. True, but I'm going to start half, half, <laughs> half soon. I can't even talk. I'm so tired. Um, you wake up at 7.30, and it's still pitch black out. It's crazy. Yeah, but then you're at, you you get out of work and there's sun still and you can do things post work. That is true. It's already kind of happening a little bit. It's, it's so exciting. Yeah, but I'm talking about like the night itself when you lose an hour of sleep. Yeah, that's gonna be one a of the most bit underrated rough. worst days of the year. Wow, I think we're gonna have to disagree on this one. Because so spring, it doesn't affect also, you at all that Sunday. No, I like don't. I'm an insomniac as is. Okay, but. Now, also, I have this idea that we're springing ahead and we're actually going to get spring. And I just have, like, really good positive vibes coming from... Well, the weather the this. weather would uh, beg to differ right now, but... No, I, it's I am, getting warmer. I am interested, though, um, in your experience. What happens, say you're out late at 1 a.m. on daylight saving spring forward night, when it jumps to 3 so the hour of 2 a.m. doesn't exist. Okay. So as no, a, I know. I'm saying, like, but do things, like, stay clocks. open? Uh, yes. No. No, no. Or does it, it close it, at it clo- 1? It closes. At 1. But in the fall, it falls back. Because when exactly. I worked at a bar in college, the fall was always the worst. I always wondered that. Because you then have an extra hour. You have to okay. work. Okay. But as a programmer right now, we have a blank hour in our schedule. And every single time this week I've had to make an update, I get anxiety that I've deleted something for that hour. And I keep reminding myself, no, 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 it doesn't exist. That's tough to deal with, yeah. So but I'm always curious about that when that happens, especially like at this age when you might be awake at that time. Yeah. Like, do things stay open? Is it closed? Anyway, I have, I have one more story about um, hours and time differences. Give it to me. Okay. So <laughs> you may have heard of the BTN bus tour. Yes. It is our it's your shining, summer shining moment. Yeah, our summer tour that I've gone in the last two years to, to the 14 schools. We drive around to each campus, and that means we're hopping through a couple different time zones. Um, so we always have to make sure, you know, that we're on the right time because we have to make it to the bus. We don't want to get left behind, blah, blah, blah. A couple of years ago, my first one, we had to make a stop in Chicago for a night or so just to, like, regroup and, and get everything settled before we head to the other leg of the tour. Fair. For some reason, my phone wasn't updating the time automatically. You know how it's supposed to when you get in the time zone? That's because you have a Samsung. An Android, and I will not <laughs> disparage it. It's uh, I'm, a, I'm a droid, a lifetime droid user. Anyway, it didn't set the clock back. I think we came from Eastern to Central. And we got back into town probably around noon, I think. Okay. I went home, and I literally lived a whole day not knowing that my clock hadn't set to the proper time. So the whole day I was an hour ahead and somehow didn't notice. Like I didn't, <laughs> I guess I didn't have any. You had no plans No, but I day. did. I, I was I was out with friends and I looked and I'm like, it's it can't be 3.30 right now or something like a. that. AM? Yeah, I'm like, there's no way. And, and I looked at my friend's phone and it was a whole hour behind. And I literally lived a whole day of my life in the future, essentially. Not knowing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and somehow so pretty it didn't, much. And somehow nothing, none of my obligations made me question what time it was or <laughs> I, I was never late to anything. So pretty much you're saying but you're, now, Marty, you're Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Exactly. But now I'm paranoid about it because now I'll check double every time I hop time zones or daylight savings. I just need to make sure that I'm on the right time. I'll call you Sunday morning and tell you what time it is. Don't do that because then you're probably awake way earlier than me. <laughs> Fact. So please don't. Well, at some point of the day. I'll let okay. you know what's up. Okay, so we're going to be heading into the Big Ten tournament with, with an hour less sleep. <laughs> it's going to be a long week, a fun week. Fun week, long week. Fun week. There's a lot going on. Love it. Starting Ten. with, um, my favorite thing to do on this is give a nice shout-out to an ad of yeah, the week. This become like the most steady, reliable Because it's segment. fun, and I like it. I agree. But this week, we're going to give some love to our in-house marketing social media teams mm-hmm. and Fallon, because we work with them as well. Okay. And they give us like a little plug or something. What, I, they're going to give us they, a plug? No, they should. I, well, I'm giving, plug I, for plug. Plug for plug. Right. I'm just giving them love anyways. But everybody that works in the Loop in Chicago, all you Chicagoans, I know you all commute to the Loop. Unlike us, we live on an island in River North slash West. But you got to go to the Daily Plaza and check out the cool social activation starting today, Monday, when you're hearing this, through Friday. And it's a very cool basketball hoop ordeal. It's very Instagrammable. A lot of your, it's all the Big Ten teams' logos and emblems will be there. Yeah, you can interact with it. I don't want to give it away because I want you to go see it. But it's really cool. Well, that's the fun part of these events that kind of embed themselves in the city, right? There's opportunities to do some unique experiences, and, and I know Fallon's doing it. But I think our digital marketing team is involved as well. They're going to be amplifying it. I'm not sure to the degree that they're they're connected to it, but I've heard about it from them as well. And also, speaking of the, you know, kind of creative amplification of this tournament, our good friend and, and colleague, uh, Jordan J. Jordan, Jordan J. His ad campaigns that he's been working so hard on, it's kind of an extra project he's taken on, have been seen around the city. He's crushing it. On the Brown Line uh, L stops. Our resident his, gift guy has really been flexing his skill. Yeah, he, he's, uh, his ad creative has been seen around, so we want to get, give him a shout out and get that in. To our discussion here, but back to... But yeah, everyone go check it out, and if you yeah. take a picture with it, hashtag March on BTN. Yeah, back to the digital activations and the, the marketing activations. I have another story about this. So I, I didn't even mean for this to happen, but I, I saw <laughs> some of these topics, and I, I knew I had to work them in. So a similar thing was done a couple years ago in Washington, D.C. There was an on-site activation with some props. And Props, vague, love it. It's just a funny, it's just a funny tie-in, and I don't. I think since it's been two years, I can make fun of it a little bit and, and bring up the uh, issues that 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 sprung up in DC. So this particular one was, I think, a giant box of basketball somewhere in downtown DC with clear boxes or like clear box that had a bunch of basketball, like hundreds. Oh, and, how many? And the, Hundreds. I don't know. The challenge was though people had to guess how many were oh, in there. Oh god, these mind benders. And then me. they won. First of all, I'm terrible at stuff. Like yeah, that. I'm not a math like person. The jelly beans. Yeah, absolutely not. Pass. So people were supposed to guess how many balls were in the box, and then like they won pizza or something Ooh, from some local okay. DC place. The closer they should have done cupcakes, but anyway. But it was done like through the our main account, the big, at Big Ten Network accounts DM. So like it, follow it. So if they won or if they were close enough to win, we were, like, DMing people. Oh, fun. Some of my coworkers that I was with were DMing people and trying to get them the pizza. And, like, I might be telling the story wrong or remembering it wrong, but I just remember it being funny, like, having to DM these people and trying to arrange, like, their pizza reward. <laughs> so I don't know if there's any pizza so involved are, this year. Alex, your social media guy slash pizza it, it delivery No, it wasn't service. me. It was people that I was working with, but okay, they had okay. to do it. And I just remember it being kind of funny and, and arranging the pizza. Delivery. Oh, amazing. But, yeah, everybody, go check it out. It's going to be cool and a great way to start off our week. What? Everybody, welcome to the Big Ten Tournament Daily Week. Daily Plaza, you said. Daily Plaza right. in the loop. So that's one place in Chicago to check out. Colleen and I are here for everyone listening that might be attending the Big Ten Tournament. And we're here to serve you pretty much. We're Colleen, t- what are we doing? Giving some recs on what to do if you're visiting or checking out the West Loop for the first time because the United Center will be hosting the Big Ten. Is United Center in the West Loop? Mm, it's a little bit west of the West Loop. It's on Madison. Just keep going west. Okay, so United Center in Chicago, which is close to this neighborhood called the West Loop, which has a lot of things to do. And honestly, I'm expanding our tourist recommendations outside the West Loop because there's plenty of things to do in Chicago. It's a no- it's a uh, well-known city that is 
favorable with its public transportation. It's an we easy city love to get around. CTA. Yeah, easy city to get around. And there's going to be plenty of time, especially if your team loses, to, you know, say you bought some all-session tickets and you got nothing to do. Plenty of time, plenty of things to do. There, this was Chicago's like the Big Ten hub. So yeah. you any any college, any Big Ten college, there's a bar for you. Yeah, there's no no uh, shade to Indy, but there's a little uh, more to do in the tourist attraction side of things in Chicago, despite the bad weather. So hey, it's going to be a balmy forty. Yeah, it's better than the last two weeks we've had here with. Um, Single digit, sub zero wind chills. But if you're still cold, go get some coffee at some of my favorite places. We like, starting with, so we're starting with food. I'm starting with coffee because okay. I love coffee. Okay. Go to Sawada Coffee. It's in Green Street Meats. And West Loop. Lo- West How far Loop. is that from United Center? Like a mile? Mm, maybe less than a mile. A short Uber. It's very, you could walk because it's going to be so nice out. <laughs> exactly. Or La Colombe is also, that's a chain, but it's still one of my faves. La Colombe's the only um, company that can get me to shell out five bucks for like a eight ounce little can of its product. Oh, you love those draft lattes. They're like five bucks. I'm, a, I'm just a Corsica girl. Okay. And my uh, my third favorite is Groundswell. That's on Madison. That one's the closest to the United Center. Walkable? Walkable. Great. All right. I'm going to expand this to some general touristy things to do in Chicago. And it, this is like for me too because... <laughs> Alex is a Lakeview resident. I am. I, so I live by, near Wrigley Field. Um, don't show up at my door, please. But <laughs> I feel like in the wintertime especially, huge fans. I, I kind of, I'm a bad Chicago local because I don't explore the city like I probably should. And when people come into town or like friends or relatives ask what's there to do in Chicago, it, it takes me a while to like think of a local angle to things, you know, because there's the Bean, and there's, the, <laughs> there's Navy Pier, and there's all the... The generic stuff that, you, that they can get on. You gotta tri- give them some character. Right, they can get on TripAdvisor. I'm trying to get the local angle, but then I always draw a blank, and I'm like, you get a little stressed. Yeah, you're, and you're, it stresses you're, me out. You're getting stressed out right now. I yeah, can tell. Beads of sweat are just on my forehead. <laughs> BPM through so the roof. And this is especially a problem in winter, when I just kind of shut it down and I stay in my little four mile radius from work to my house, and I'm in a lot of Ubers and Lyfts and on the L, and that's pretty much it, and I'll go to the same restaurants and bars, and, the, and I don't get out because I'm not going to the lake because it's too cold, and I'm not going to do outdoorsy things because it's just not that time of year. So this has been a good exercise for me <laughs> to try and think of some things. So tourist attractions, Colleen, since I just talked for like two minutes about my own issues, I'll let you start with, <laughs> do you have any tourist attractions that aren't, um, that aren't coffee or restaurants? My manager is a really big fan of the Wonder Museum, so that's a pretty Instagrammable location is that as well. New? It's It's newer. I think it, it opened up last fall. So many people on Instagram have been posting from the Wonder Museum. Yeah. What is it? Um, it's just a museum that has all these cool, different artistic creations and visually appealing things to play with and lots of... It unlocks your inner wonder. It does. Yeah. Okay. But then also hit up Punchable Social. There's a lot of games. Is which it? is Yeah, there's like bowling. And that's a bar and restaurant like, near... Yeah, and that's um, in the West Loop, right by one of my favorite restaurants, ABBA, which okay. is like Mediterranean food. Okay. Which is delicious. All right. On top of your Wonder Museum recommendation, I'm going to recommend a park that is not... You know, your your tourist magnets like Millennium Park, park and Grant Park. Which park? But it's close by. It's Maggie Daly Park. Oh. I like Maggie Daly Park, and I feel like it's okay. never crowded somehow. It's like you walk around it, and maybe I've just gone at lucky times when it's not that crowded. But Lucky like St. An, Patrick's Day this week, working it in. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another thing. It's like it, the city's going to be crazy this week. It's going to be realized, nuts. Oh, my goodness. This upcoming week, I, or what, the 17th on Sunday. Yeah. They're dying the river Saturday. Huge news. So there's plenty of things to do, you know, if your team loses or if you just wanted to check out the city before you head over to the arena. I think the river dying is going to be Saturday morning. It's going to be crawling downtown with people in green falling over themselves probably. Um, it's going to be nuts. But, again, Maggie Daly Park is like an urban kind of obstacle course type. Fair. Fun. I think that's part of the park. It's just a cool kind of urban oasis where there's a lot of green space, but the the buildings are still close enough where there's a great view, and it's a fun place to go. Also, if you want to get off the beaten path, um, Colleen, I'm sure you're familiar with this place. It's a little north. It's in Lincoln Park, uh, and it's a summer and winter spot. Chicago's a great rooftop city, especially in the summer. You can go to a lot of rooftop restaurants and bars. summer. Yes, but this particular hotel in Lincoln Park has a winter 
uh, cover on their ho- on their rooftop, and that's the Jay Parker Hotel. The oh Hotel my gosh! Lincoln. Can I tell you something? Yeah, I've never been there. You should be ashamed. <laughs> I know. It's a great spot. I've never. But been. it's better in winter because it's not as crowded and packed. So I was just there recently. Great view. Um, Fine. Great. I mean, that's right by Rinales, which is a Wisconsin favorite. All right. Great bar and um, great restaurant. And it's a hotel uh, as well, so maybe some people are even staying there. Uh, and, yeah, it's just kind of off the beaten path of where people would maybe usually go on the loop or downtown River North. It's uh, just a couple miles north in Lincoln Park. And if the zoo was open, which I don't think it is yet, <laughs> it would be a great place to go before that. We're really jumping the gun here. I know. I know. It's too bad. Yeah, I forgot all about St. Patrick's Day. It's going to be nuts. Yeah. You better wear green or else you get pinched. I'm trying to think if I have, like, a green dress shirt because I'll probably be dressed up a little bit. On Saturday? Yeah. For I'll, the be games. The, I'll be at the game. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing for St. Patrick's Day? Um, my girlfriends and I have a nice little brunch. And Fun. we're going to – I'm going to – because I have friends coming in from out of town. So we're going to go take them to the river because it's going to be green and that's cool. And then we have a party to attend and kind of playing it by ear. Well, hope, hopefully it warms up. I know, um, I know. I'm just realizing, like, this job gives me major FOMO on St. Patrick's Day <laughs> on most days because there's always something going on. It's, like, either Selection Sunday or it's around this March Madness time where I can't really celebrate St. Patrick's Day like the rest of my peers. So, but Good you know thing what? the That's tournament's okay. going to be nuts and fun. Not complaining. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, Saturday's going to be awesome just with the St. Patrick's Day vibe. And semifinal Saturday is one of the best days of sports exactly. all year. Two. Uh, awesome games um, will be taking place at the UC. So it'll be great. Um, Colleen, I need to get some restaurant recommendations from oh. you now. So we've done like okay, kind of great. the bars, museums, rooftops. Are we sticking Let's to West Loop neighborhoods? Don't have to, but if they're in there, I mean, better. one of my favorite places is La Josie. It's super good Mexican food. Right across the street from Ocheval, known for their burger. I was going to say Ocheval. But I would say Mott Street Burger is my favorite. So if you have time to get to Mott Street or Mini Mott. You got to check it you out. You mentioned one of mine. Uh, Ocheval is regularly on the list of, like, best burgers in the city. It's a really small, unique place. Like, you might have to, to wait, but luckily there's plenty of uh, other establishments around that you can wait in while your table at Ocheval is, uh, you know, is opening up. It's just a really unique ambiance in there, and you get a great burger. So that's that's going to be a, a must-visit if you're in town. And we can't talk about Chicago without pizza. I don't know if you have any pizza places. So uh, I'm gluten-free, so I'm going oh, right. to tap you in for this right. one. I'll, Unless I'll you want my gluten-free Rex, but that's not as fun. I'll, hand- <laughs> I'll handle the uh, the gluten-infused pizza Rex. Um, and I'm going to go a little outside the norm here. I know visitors to the city or even some, some regulars in the city, you got your Giordano's, Lumanati's, even your Pequod's. I like all those places, but I'm going to recommend a place that is – Sort of on the not on the west side of the city, but not far from United Center. It's a few miles away. It's called Art of Pizza. I don't know if Ooh, you've heard of it. That sounds fun. Have you heard of Art, no. Art of Pizza? It's really good. I don't know if it has more than one location, but the one I go to is on Ashland Avenue, and it has some of the most underrated slices in the city. It's got deep dish stuffed, and you can get it by the slice, which is uh, a little unique, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't know how many places you can do that. This is like west side, like Ukrainian Village. Like no, 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 no. It's it's uh, it's Lincoln Park still, oh. but it, it's. It's like West Lakeview-ish, okay. so it's kind of on that border. It's just not far from the United Center. You can get right on Ashland right, and go right. right up. So Also not far from the United Center, Yuzu Sushi is amazing. Yuzu Sushi. For those people that also don't want to have gluten, but hey. Okay. I'm a little worried um, because I love sushi, and I've been having – the last couple times I've had sushi, it's kind of, I've kind of gotten sick. So I'm oh hoping it's just a fluke. I hope it's a fluke I can't, as well. I don't want to go my, the rest of my life without sushi. Have you been eating at questionable locations? Nope. nope. So – I hope I'm not developing, like, an intolerance. I right know. Now. Mercury's your friend, not your enemy. Yeah, so well, I'll keep the audience okay. updated on that. Thoughts and prayers for, for you. Thank you. T's and P's. All right. Um, Colleen, yes. anything else before we get into one of those busy weekends weeks of the year here? Um, well, you can't not have dessert also while you're here. All so right. you must hit up Cone. That's, that's in the West Loop. It's ice cream. It's really good. Cone. Bombo Bar. Hot chocolates and donuts and very cool things like that. Okay. Super good. Awesome. What I need to go to West Loop more. Yeah. I'm actually going to write these down because, like, okay. I need – I'm going to listen to I'm this gonna, back. I'm going to have an expense account loop. and go to places that I don't usually go to. So Fun. I'm going to hit some of these places up. you got to abuse it. Hopefully some of our listeners are there. They don't know what we look like, though. That's true. So They, they could hear our voice. They would <laughs> yeah. know by the sound They'll of my voice. voice. I've actually – that's happened to me before where I had a, a guest on one of this, these podcasts, uh, Richard Deitch, who I met 
this is about a year ago, I met in a coffee shop in Brooklyn to do the, the interview, and I listen to his podcast all the time, the sports media podcast that he does. Um, and when I got there first, and I knew he was there because I heard his voice when he ordered. It was so distinctive, and I was like, yep, that's him, he's here. Oh, that's nuts. I know, so that's going to happen to us. You okay. know, we're going to be talking, and all our hordes of fans will. <laughs> hordes. Mom and dad, that's you. All right, so I think we've set a record. On this one, All right, 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. We've been rambling on, but... Everybody, had, enjoy the week yeah, of basketball. Yeah, we had to get all our recs in. Yeah, we had to get a ton of recs in. Go check out the activation in Daily Plaza. Cool. Good plug. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, trying to think of a plug that I could insert, but there's, there's really nothing. Just Alex eat, needs a coffee. Enjoy the games. <laughs> have fun, everybody. Be safe. And we'll get back <laughs> at you. Uh, probably post... Selection Sunday, we'll talk NCAA tournament, March Madness, and uh, maybe do some bracket picks. Oh, for sure going to have some picks. Maybe we should do some brackets with, like, not basketball, but, like, some... I'm in on that. All right. All right. We'll, 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 be get we'll develop this. We'll get this excited, up. everyone. But uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. See you. All right. Thanks once again to my guests. It was a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait for the Big Ten tournament this week. It should be a hell of a tournament just with the top-to-bottom competitiveness of the league. I know it's talked about all the time. If you've watched Big Ten basketball this year, it's kind of the talking point, but it's true. It's going to be a blast. I um, hope you can make it to Chicago for some of the games, and if not, tune to BTN for the first 10 games of the tournament, and uh, hopefully you know, this, this week rivals and matches what we saw last year in New York because that was a, an awesome tournament, and um, hopefully it carries some momentum for the conference into the NCAAs. So, Thanks again to my guests. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to my producers for helping out. Wes White, Julie Bronder. And we will talk to you next time as we get deeper into March Madness here on the Take 10 Podcast.